Chapter 4 of Original Stories from Real Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amanda Miller. Original Stories from Real Life by Mary Wollstonecraft. Chapter 4 Anger History of Jane Fretful. A few days after these walks and conversations, Mrs. Mason heard a great noise in the playroom. She ran hastily to inquire the cause and found the children crying, and near them one of the young birds lying on the floor dead. With great eagerness, each of them tried, the moment she entered, to exculpate herself and prove that the other had killed the bird. Mrs. Mason commanded them to be silent, and at the same time called an orphan whom she had educated, and desired her to take care of the nest. The cause of the dispute was easily gathered from what they both let fall. They had contested which had the best right to feed the birds. Mary insisted that she had a right because she was the eldest, and Caroline because she took the nest. Snatching it from one side of the room to the other, the bird fell and was trodden on before they were aware. When they were a little composed, Mrs. Mason calmly thus addressed them. I perceive that you are ashamed of your behavior and sorry for the consequence. I will not therefore severely reprove you, nor add bitterness to the self-reproach you must both feel, because I pity you. You are now inferior to the animals that graze on the common. Reason only serves to render your folly more conspicuous and inexcusable. Anger is a little despicable vice. Its selfish emotions banish compassion and undermine every virtue. It is easy to conquer another, but noble to subdue one's self. Had you, Mary, given way to your sister's humor, you would have proved that you were not only older, but wiser than her. And you, Caroline, would have saved your charge if you had, for the time, waived your right. It is always a proof of superior sense to bear with slight inconveniences, and even trifling injuries, without complaining or contesting about them. The soul reserves its firmness for great occasions, and then it acts a decided part. It is just the contrary mode of thinking and the conduct produced by it which occasions all those trivial disputes that slowly corrode domestic peace, and insensibly destroy what great misfortunes could not sweep away. I will tell you a story that will take stronger hold on your memory than mere remarks. Jane Fretful was an only child. Her fond, weak mother would not allow her to be contradicted on any occasion. The child had some tenderness of heart, but so accustomed was she to see everything give way to her humor that she imagined the world was only made for her. If any of her playfellows had toys that struck her capricious, sickly fancy, she would cry for them, and substitutes were in vain offered to quiet her. She must have the identical ones, or fly into the most violent passion. When she was an infant, if she fell down, her nurse made her beat the floor. She continued the practice afterwards, and when she was angry would kick the chairs and tables or any senseless piece of furniture if they came in her way. I have seen her throw her cap into the fire because some of her acquaintance had a prettier. Continual passions weakened her constitution. Beside, she would not eat the common wholesome food that children who are subject to the smallpox and worms ought to eat, and which is necessary when they grow so fast 
to make them strong and handsome. Instead of being a comfort to her tender, though mistaken mother, she was her greatest torment. The servants all disliked her, she loved no one but herself, and the consequence was, she never inspired love. Even the pity good-natured people felt was nearly allied to contempt. A lady who visited her mother brought with her one day a pretty little dog. Jane was delighted with it, and the lady with great reluctance parted with it to oblige her friend. For some time she fondled and really felt something like an affection for it. But one day it happened to snatch a cake she was going to eat, and though there were twenty within reach, she flew into a violent passion and threw a stool at the poor creature, who was big with pup. It fell down. I can scarcely tell the rest. It received so severe a blow that all the young were killed, and the poor wretch languished two days, suffering the most excruciating torture. Jane Fretful, who was now angry with herself, sat all the time holding it, and every look the miserable animal gave her stung her to the heart. After its death she was very unhappy, but did not try to conquer her temper. All the blessings of life were thrown away on her, and without any real misfortune she was continually miserable. If she had planned a party of pleasure and the weather proved unfavorable, the whole day was spent in fruitless repining, or venting her ill-humor on those who depended on her. If no disappointment of that kind occurred, she could not enjoy the promised pleasure. Something always disconcerted her. The horses went too fast or too slow, the dinner was ill-dressed, or some of the company contradicted her. She was, when a child, very beautiful, but anger soon distorted her regular features and gave a forbidding fierceness to her eyes. But if for a moment she looked pleased, she still resembled a heap of combustible matter, to which an accidental spark might set fire. Of course, quiet people were afraid to converse with her. And if she ever did a good or humane action, her ridiculous anger soon rendered it an intolerable burden, if it did not entirely cancel it. At last she broke her mother's heart, or hastened her death by her want of duty, and her many other faults, all proceeding from violent, unrestrained anger. The death of her mother, which affected her very much, left her without a friend. She would sometimes say, Ah, my poor mother, if you are now alive, I would not tease you. I would give the world to let you know that I am sorry for what I have done. You died thinking me ungrateful and lamenting that I did not die when you gave me suck. I shall never, oh, never see you more. This thought, and her peevish temper, preyed on her impaired constitution. She had not, by doing good, prepared her soul for another state, or cherished any hopes that could disarm death or its terrors, or render that last sleep sweet. Its approach was dreadful, and she hastened her end, scolding the physician for not curing her. Her lifeless countenance displayed the marks of convulsive anger, and she left an ample fortune behind her to those who did not regret her loss. They followed her to the grave, on which no one shed a tear. She was soon forgotten, and I only remember her to warn you to shun her errors. End of chapter 4